Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. This is the second part of the episodes that are really geared towards family and friends of Clubfoot parents and Clubfoot cuties about how to help Clubfoot parents along their journey. The first episode was really about understanding the diagnosis and the treatment aspects of Clubfoot. This episode is geared towards how can you help support parents on their cuties Clubfoot treatment journey. So I'm going to break it into different sections about what is helpful and sometimes not helpful during different portions of the treatment. Now, of course, this is coming from my experience and what I've heard from other clubfoot parents within the community, but everybody's different, so support looks different for everyone. uh, I really encourage parents to find supportive resources that are helpful for them. Some people really thrive in the big social media groups and find that really helpful. Other parents really like the more one-on-one experience of having one other parent going through something similar. So it really just depends on them. And that also translates to how friends and family can help support parents. I will do a deal of a great deal of kind of talking about what was supportive for me during these different portions of treatment, but with the caveat that you sometimes are going to have to ask and take this information and apply it to the person that you are trying to help. Because like I said, support's different for everybody and also triggers and things are different for everyone too. What was very triggering for me may not be triggering for other people. And so it's just important to know your audience when you are offering to help and provide support for them. So I'm going to start with diagnosis. So at the diagnosis, we talked in the last episode about how that can be really overwhelming for parents. It's a lot of information to try to take in, to learn about what the Ponsetti method is, to learn about clubfoot, to just even wrap your head around the fact that it's going to take five years before your child is really done with their quote-unquote treatment before they're done with boots and bar, um, but that it's also a lifelong birth defect, that even when corrected, it doesn't mean that you no longer have clubfoot. It's not something that is cured, right? It's something that you correct and that you work hard to maintain that correction. So here are some things that I think are helpful during that diagnosis phase of treatment. I think it's really important for parents to hear that you are there to support them, right? We're going to be here to support you in whatever you need and whatever capacity that you need. Now that's going to look different depending on whether you're a grandparent, you are a close sister, whether you're a relative, a friend, right? All of those supportives are different um, in different roles. But it's just important for them to hear that you support them. And it's important to ask how you can best support them. I think that 
like I said, everybody's different. So it's asking, how can we support you at this time? And honestly, a lot of parents may be like, I have no idea. I don't, I don't even know. I'm barely keeping my head above water as it is right now. I'm trying to figure it all out on my own. I don't know how you can best support me. And I think your response to that is, I hear you. And if there comes a time where there is something that I can do to support you, please let me know that I'm here to help you in whatever capacity that means. I think just hearing that is really helpful for parents. I also think encouraging them that they can do this. I know when you hear the diagnosis, when we heard it, I felt like, oh my God, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm up to the task. Like there was a lot of fear and self-consciousness about my ability to parent my child, to be able to step into a medical mom caregiver role. And so I think encouraging, like you're a great parent and I know that you can do this and that you can do whatever it takes to help your child. And we're here to support you while you're supporting your child. So those are things I think that are helpful to say during the diagnosis. Like I ended the last episode, it's important to educate yourself and find, um, knowledgeable resources for you to learn so that then you can help support that parent and help them feel more um, or less isolated and like they have somebody who understands what the treatment is going to look like. I think there's a lot of value in that. Now, well, here are some things that I don't think and that's not just from my perspective too, but I've heard from other parents too that can be not as helpful, right? For me, anything that was like, oh, that poor baby, poor you, poor mom, anything that was in the pity realm or had a tinge of pity was really um, unhelpful. It didn't, it didn't feel supportive. It felt like pity comes with some sort of like, I feel bad for you because, but I'm really happy that's not me. And so if it's translated that way, you already feel like as a clubfoot parent, like one in a thousand, yes, it's probably the most common birth defect or one of them, but still you're looking around. I remember looking around and being like, none of my neighbor's kids have clubfoot. I don't know one other person in my town who has clubfoot. Now it doesn't mean they don't exist, but I'm just saying like, I didn't know one other person. So you already have this feeling of like, oh man, why is it my kid? Why is it, you know, you already have those thoughts and without, so you don't need the added feeling of like, people are pitying me and they feel bad for me and they feel happy that this isn't their child. So I would refrain from anything that has any sort of pity twinge to it. I think the other thing that you may think is helpful, but isn't necessarily helpful is you're lucky it's something that can be fixed. While this may be true, there are birth defects that don't come with something that is easily fixable. I don't think that it's entirely helpful for parents to hear that during their emotional processing of their child's birth defect, right? It feels 
diminishing of what they are experiencing. And this isn't just from my perspective. I've heard this from other parents as well. Even the medical professionals can say to parents like, wow, you really won the lottery of birth defects with Clubfoot. It's like, okay, well, I'm, 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 guess I'm happy then. Like it's, we're trying to process the fact that our child's going to be born with a birth defect and our experience of a newborn and early childhood is going to be very different from what our expectations were. And then to hear, but you should feel grateful about that, that it's not something worse is while that may be true. And while you may be trying to help, it can be very triggering for parents to hear that because it's a big deal for them. And to feel like you're saying, oh, you know, you should be grateful that this isn't something worse can feel like you're undermining their feelings about how difficult and how challenging this may be for them. So I just caution you to think about that before you say it. Uh, I even caution medical professionals to think about it too. I'm sure from their medical perspective, Clubfoot seems like a very, um, like maybe a winning lottery ticket of all the things that could go wrong. But for parents who are dealing with it, it may not uh, land very well with them. So just think about that before you say anything. So let's move on to like how you prepare for the baby. So we all know that if you find out in utero, you usually have some sort of gift registry or you want to give the gifts, like give gifts that are pertinent to parents before the baby's born even if it's a multiple kid, right? Like for us, it was our third kid, but we still had, you know, like a small, I guess they call them sprinkle. I don't know. We had like a small shower where people gave us little gifts. Um, And here are some things that I think would be helpful. First, I'm going to preface this by saying, please do not buy anything feet related unless it's expressly requested by the parents. And there are a couple of reasons for this. One is that if you buy them things that are for the feet, they may never be used, right? So I remember somebody got us some like super cute sandals that would have been for a three-month-old. And if I'm going to be frank with you, I never put even my older girls in shoes when they couldn't walk. It just didn't seem to make sense to me. Um, But we got some really cute shoes and I was like, she's never going to be able to wear these. And so not only was it not helpful, but then it was also triggering because it felt like she's going to have a different experience than other babies. And it was a kind of a constant reminder that things were going to be different for her. And so if there's anything feet related, I caution you buying it unless somebody has said it. So if they have footsie pajamas on their registry and you know that's something that they want for maybe that first few weeks before they start casting or they're buying them in larger sizes or whatever that looks like to accommodate it, then fine. But if they don't, don't buy them then because the truth is they may just go to waste and or will be given away or never get use out of them. So I think just make sure you are aware of that. 
Also, be careful what kind of cars you buy for these showers. Baby feet are really popular. And I didn't realize how popular these little baby feet are before I had a clubfoot kid. Uh, they seem to be everywhere. So there are lots of cards that have typical baby feet on them. And be careful buying stuff like that. Just be cognizant, unaware of what you're doing because we're inundated with baby's feet, it seems like. And they also just maybe we're a lot more aware of them because we know our child's going to have issues with their feet and their feet are going to look different at birth. And while you're still in utero and you haven't, you know, connected with the baby personally yet, it sometimes can feel triggering to see typical baby feet. So that's just a word to the warning that there are a lot of little baby feet out there and be careful what you're giving to parents who are going to have a clubfoot cutie. Some things that I think are great that we really liked were leg warmers. There's a lot of different sites that you can buy them on and we loved getting those. My best friend got me some after she was diagnosed and they're so cute and I honestly still have them. Like her casts are still wrapped in those leg warmers she got for her and it was just a very sweet gift. I think Embe swaddles are great. Those are uh, where they have legs open. So anything that's really accommodating the cast or the boots and bar uh, are really helpful. Uh, receiving blankets are great because we use a lot of those for multiple things, right? You're keeping warm, you are elevating the cast or the boots and bar in a car seat and in whatever they need in that capacity stroller, whatever that looks like. And there also can be utilized for nursing covers and burp cloths and clean up stuff whenever needed, right? So receiving blankets are really helpful. And onesies, like any long sleeve, short sleeve onesies, depending on the weather, because the cast and the boots and bar will always be able to accommodate a onesie. And those seem to be the easiest to interchange. So buying different sizes of those, it for us, we had 5 million onesies by the time our cutie was born because we had two older girls. So we had a lot of that, but we went through a lot of them and she wore them every single night to bed because it was the easiest thing to put on her and to change diapers in the middle of the night. So we had a lot more onesies for her than we had for our older two girls. So it's just, it, it was a really great gift. And we had these little jackets too that we would put over the top of the onesie that wasn't connected to anything below the waist. So it would just snap in the front, like across the chest. And that was really nice because it was something easily to take on and off. So if it was hot, I could take the little jacket off. If I, if I felt like she was cold, I'd put the jacket on, right? So she kind of lived in those. So those were kind of her go-to outfit. So I think those are kind of easy go-to gifts that will be helpful for parents. During casting phase, I think it's really helpful if there are older siblings to offer to help care for the older siblings while parents are at the casting appointments. A lot of parents have to travel for the appointments, whether that's an hour or, uh, you know, a flight away, right? So if there 
If there are older siblings and you have the ability to help support the parents by watching those siblings, picking them up from school or taking them to their activities, maintaining some normalcy for those older kids, I would suggest doing that because that is really helpful for parents. It's stressful enough to try to figure out how you're even going to fit all the casting appointments in and how to help your baby through the casting appointments and without trying to also try to figure out all of the child care and everything else for your older kids. Now, of course, I'm speaking from experience because I have older girls, but I think that any parent is really helpful. It could be helpful for at least offering the support, right? And maybe they've already taken care of it, maybe not. It's an easy, but it's something that you can offer. And it's not even just during the casting appointments, but it's even like taking the older siblings to whatever events they're at or how or out for a special date with you or to go to the park or get ice cream or something that's for them because so much of our time as parents, as clubfoot parents, is dedicated to our cutie that we do feel guilty for the fact that the newborn isn't just sucking up normal newborn life but also sucking up all of the attention of the parents because they have greater needs during the casting portion. So any support you can give to any siblings, I think is really helpful. Uh, offer to bring food, coffee. We love donuts, bagels. You know, it doesn't have to be a meal. It doesn't have to be dinner. Frankly, our kids are picky. And so trying to find a meal that was helpful for everybody that everybody liked, I know is difficult. So gift cards, DoorDash, um, gift cards to their favorite restaurants or anything around, I think are all really great things, ways to support parents. Um, I'm a huge coffee drinker. So for me, my mom would offer to bring coffee like almost every time she came over, which was a lot. She'd be like, what do you want uh, for coffee? And I was always so grateful for that because it was just a little something for myself during that time and frankly needed because we were getting very small amount of sleep. Here's something that I think is important Please don't be offended if the parents are picky about people holding their baby during casting or how they want you to hold the baby during casting. Parents are trying to figure out how best to support the cast. They're heavier than they look and they can be difficult to maneuver. So if you... I mean, and it's happening during newborn phase, right? So the newborn's so cute and everyone wants to hold a newborn and it's, I have a lot of ants and they're all great. And, you know, they're all really great with babies. And I was sensitive about how and who I wanted to hold the baby during her casting phase of treatment. I remember at one point we were at somebody's party and someone offered to hold the baby who I didn't have a solid knowledge of or even relationship with and but loves babies and I remember saying like no we're not we're not gonna have anybody hold the baby and I remember she said like some non-kind I won't go as far as to say rude but it felt rude to me comment about how I wasn't allowing anyone to hold the baby and I was just like really like this isn't that's not helpful like the fact that I'm even here at this event with my baby who's in 
double full-length cast. Like, the fact that I'm even here is a miracle, let alone having you say something like, why aren't you letting me hold your baby? Like it's, that's, that's not, that's not kind and it's not helpful. And for me, it, it made me feel like, why am I even here? Like, why, why did I even come here? If people don't even understand that I need a certain level of support. And it wasn't anything about my ability, my belief that they weren't able to hold the baby. It was about my comfort level. Like, I'm a mom who's highly anxious. My child is going through medical treatment and I just don't want anything to happen to my baby. So I'm sorry if that offends you, but I'm also not sorry. And it's important for uh, supporting people around parents to understand that parents may be sensitive and give them some grace about it, okay? Uh, Also, on the same note, I was picky about how my older daughters wore, uh, held our baby. So their sister, we would kind of put on one of those boppy loungers, which I don't think you can even purchase anymore, but they were kind of like these little beds, like these big pillows, and they would hold her in the lounger. And that's how they would hold her. And I remember people being like, what, like, you know, kind of giving side eye or comments about it. And it's like, well, that's how I feel comfortable. That's how I feel like the young, the older siblings who are still young kids can have the most success in holding their baby sister. So let's just be cognizant and aware of that as well. Now, the transition to Boots and Bar is one of the times that's going to be the most overwhelming for parents typically within the Uh, clubfoot treatment. And that's because they're really moving from just being more supportive in their casting, like making sure everything's going okay, there's no slippage, there's no issues with the cast, like that sort of thing, right? And then they move into the people who are actively providing the treatment, which is putting on their brace, whatever device that is. For us, it was the boots and bar. So parents have a really high learning curve. Babies usually have a difficult time transitioning to boots and bar for a multitude of reasons. And then they're expected to be in this bracing device for 23 hours a day for three months, right after they've gotten done with casting. It's a lot for parents. So this is a time that there is extra support may be needed. And by support, I mean, ask parents what they need for support. Does that mean taking the older siblings on a date? Does that mean, um, coming over and, you know, preparing a meal or cleaning the house or offering to hold the baby or, uh, whatever the parent is looking for at that moment. But just knowing that the parents are going to need some more support within those first few weeks, And that can look like just listening and empathizing and saying like, and just being a witness to their experience. One of the most profound moments for me was when my husband's stepmom came over one day and my cutie was just like having a day, man. She was not happy no matter what we did with the boots. We gave her free time. She didn't like that. I had to do stretches, which she didn't like that. I put the boots back on. I stood up. I bounced. And I mean, everything. I tried everything to make her happy. And I remember his stepmom just said, like, 
you're an angel for doing this. Like, I don't know how you're doing this. She was just a witness to my experience. She just saw how hard it was and she commented on it. She was like, I see how much work this is and I see what a great mom and what a great job you're doing. And that was so powerful for me. It wasn't as if, you know, she did anything like, oh, I'm going to take the baby or I'm going to do it. She just was there and she saw what I was going through and it helped me feel like, okay, wow, yeah, this is actually really hard. Like, because sometimes we're so isolated and I was at home so much that I didn't feel like, I felt like, is this as hard as I think it is? It feels really hard, but is it? And I think parents can feel disconnected from the outside world during times like where they're really homebound and not able to have as much freedom in their schedule and being able to look at somebody and say, wow, like this is hard and you're doing a great job is really powerful and supportive. I think don't express concern about the boots and bar being uncomfortable. Don't say, oh, that looks so uncomfortable. Oh, I can't believe she has to wear that. Oh my, like that seems really hard. I'm so sorry for you, little baby. Like not helpful, like just not helpful. And frankly, not kind because the truth is it's hard enough for us to put on the boots every day and to question ourselves as parents to go like, am I doing the right thing? Uh, and so it's not helpful to then you question or pity whether they really need that or not. They need it. It's the best possible thing. And so saying like, you know, something that along the lines of like, oh, I feel so sorry for it. It's, it's just not helpful. Um, so instead, maybe say, you're doing such a great job to the parent, right? Wow, like I can't, I, I know this is a lot of work, but I see how much you know, how much you're putting into this and just acknowledging their experience rather than commenting about whether or not you think the brace is uncomfortable or painful for the baby. Uh, if the parents express that they're worried about it being uncomfortable or their baby's having a really difficult time or crying a lot, then I suggest still suggest you say, why don't you contact your medical team? Like encourage parents to do that because the truth is the parents are struggling to figure out what is normal behavior for a baby, an infant, a newborn, and then what is over the top that needs to be addressed by a medical team or what's just normal transition issues, right? So if they're really expressing it to you, I'm not saying don't um, diminish their concerns, I'm saying don't exacerbate them. So try to find kind of a happy medium where you are helping them kind of determine whether it is something that they need to contact their medical team about, but without you implying more about it. I know that probably sounds a little bit tricky, but anyways, I think that's an important thing to note during that first transition of Boots and Bar. Now, as the journey continues... One of the ways that you can support, once you're out of kind of this acute crisis sort of point um, and, you know, you've moved past 23-hour wear, it might be helpful to encourage the parents to take a break, right? Like, it doesn't have to be a nighttime or a nap time or when you're donning 
or doffing the boots and bar, but maybe like if it's a break time and they don't have the boots on or if they have the boots on but don't need to have them taken on or off, like encourage parents to take a little bit of a break for themselves and to uh, do something that's outside of the club foot world. I think that's helpful at any stage of the journey. And also just be knowledgeable about what stage of boots and bar your cutie is in. Parents, it's hard when you move out of 23-hour wear or when you're actively seeing the child in boots and bar and then you're like, you know, you say something like, oh, she still has to wear those? Like, that's not helpful because it's like, yeah, she has to wear them until she's five, right? Or whatever your recommended length of B&B wear is. So not just knowing what, what stage are they in. So, oh, you're, she's still wearing those at night, right? Like something like that is much different than, oh, I didn't know she still had to wear those. Those are two very different statements, right? And it can look like a clubfoot cutie is the same as every other child around because they you don't see them in their brace anymore. It's not like they're wearing their brace to preschool or to kindergarten. They are only wearing them at night. And if you're not around them, you don't know. But that doesn't mean that the parents are not still struggling with nighttime or sleep deprivation or blisters, skin issues, socks, sizing. I mean, the, it's, it, it doesn't mean they're out of it just because you don't see it. So just being knowledgeable that until that child reaches a certain age, they are going to be wearing their boots and bar every single day, whether you see them or not. And just knowing that so that parents aren't fielding like questions of like, well, where, where, where is she in the treatment or where, you know, you mean he still has to wear those? Like those sorts of things, just not very helpful. So. I think there needs to be something said about the questions about correction. A lot of parents will feel concerns about the correction of their cutie's feet. So, uh, and may even be like, do you think their feet look corrected? What do you think their feet look? I mean, if you go on any sort of social media group that's dedicated to clubfoot, it is inundated with parents showing pictures of their kids' feet and asking whether they think there's an issue. Okay, so it's a common thing that parents experience. I experienced it myself. I remember I had my brother send me pictures of his newborn's feet and being like, so that I could cross-reference them. And I just want to mention as a support person to the clubfoot parents, I think it's important to encourage them to trust their instincts. So if you feel like there's something wrong, then encourage them not to ignore that, but then at the same time, don't exacerbate it, right? Don't go like, oh yeah, totally. Or because the truth is you don't know. The parents are asking because they don't even know. So if you're a support person, I'm sure unless you're a club foot professional, probably not knowledgeable in what a corrected club foot looks like anyway. So encourage them to, uh, trust whether what they are feeling about it and if they need to get a second opinion help support them through that but don't 
exacerbate it by being like, yeah, I totally think you're right. Or diminish it by being like, no, they look fine, right? It's more just like being a landing ground for them to ask the questions and then you almost are just asking the questions back to the parents or like, well, what do you think? How are you feeling about it, right? Do you think you need a second opinion as opposed to you giving your opinions? And then the last piece is milestones, right? We all have, I mean, you can't talk about clubfoot treatment without talking about early childhood development and how parents feel about the impact that will have on their cuties. So we're all concerned about rolling over, sitting up, crawling, walking, jumping, running, any of those major physical milestones that we think could be impacted by the boots and bar. I would highly suggest you refrain from making comments about developmental milestones with any inference to a delay. So if a child isn't walking at 16 months and you, the parents haven't expressed any concern to you, but you are saying something like, oh, shouldn't the child be walking? isn't exactly helpful for parents or supportive, right? Every child is different. Everybody develops at a different speed and clubfoot kids are no different. And it doesn't automatically mean that it has something to do with their clubfoot treatment. If a parent expresses something to you about their child's development and they're concerned about a delay, then maybe talk them through it a little bit more. Ask them why they're concerned. Uh, Help them understand that Comparing their child to other children isn't exactly uh, the best frame of reference for them to know whether they're meeting their milestones at the correct time. There's a continuum of that, and it's important for parents who are dealing with kids who have medical complexities to understand that. And to not feel like if they don't meet it in a certain time frame, then there's like a panic moment, right? So do all that you can as a support to that family to not exacerbate that conversation or uh, fears around whether they're developing correctly or not, but help them kind of walk through it. And if there is something that they are really concerned about and you feel a little bit concerned about health and resource, find it like figure out who they can go to, to ask more questions and not just make general assumptions about what the clubfoot treatment is and isn't impacting because the reality is we don't always know. So I think that that's just an important piece to understand. Parents are nervous about milestones with typical kids, let alone a kid that has um, a brace that they're wearing for, you know, 12 plus hours a day. So now here are some resources that I think are helpful to kind of end this conversation is I said last time the Parents Guide to Clubfoot, really helpful for your own knowledge, for, um, for the parents' knowledge. Betsy Miller's book is just incredible in explaining it in a way that's very uh, easy to understand, but also medically correct. So I think that's an invaluable resource for parents. 26th Avenue Clubfoot Essentials. I've done a podcast with the woman who 
owns that company, Brooke, and she makes incredible clubfoot accessories that are, make really great gifts. So if you're looking for something you want to get that's unique for the clubfoot cutie in your life or for the parents, um, really, it's, it's a place to go that has really great mementos and also things that are just logistically easier for the kid and that really relevant to clubfoot treatment. So I encourage you to look through that. Clubfoot Cares is a website that's really geared to helping parents. Um, it's a really good parental resource that I think you can help parents, guide parents there if they're asking questions, but also for yourself to know what's helpful and what's um, not maybe for other parents. So I think those are some good resources for you guys to utilize. I think this uh, episode ran a little bit longer than I anticipated, but I guess there's just kind of a lot to cover about how to be supportive for parents. And if you are sending this to a family member, you could always tell them to just fast forward to the certain phase that they're in if need be. If you've already moved past the diagnosis casting and you're kind of in a later version, then maybe you skip that first portion of it and just find whatever is relevantly helpful to you. So if you found this episode helpful, please share with people that you think would also benefit from it. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or my Instagram account at Club Foot Chronicles Mom. Until next time.